some thoughts about the Christmas season um, throughout this whole thing. And I'll be brief because, one, I know there's lots of little people in the room, and they don't want to listen to somebody like me talk. I'm not that exciting. Uh, I hope you older people think differently, but nonetheless, um, I wanted to talk some this morning about just finishing up. We talked about Jesus' family line all throughout the Christmas season, and, and we looked at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we looked at his whole family line with, with Rahab and Tamar. Some of you are like, these names ring a bell, but really what you see is God used really, really out of the ordinary, maybe even people who were not the, the most qualified, and, and the truth is it connects to us because most of us don't feel all that qualified to, to be servants of God, especially not in a high profile but when you look at Jesus' lineage, there were liars, there were murderers. Anybody in the room a murderer? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> just, I'm just, you're probably not. There were adulterers, there were deceptive people who, who stole one another's birthrights. There were even people who were non-Jewish. There were Canaanites and Moabites, and you're like, what are the ites? They're just people, lands, that didn't re represent God at any level. In fact, some of them were even adverse or against God. So to get this idea that God can use anybody, you've just got to think like this. God is willing to use anybody who's available if you'll just say what to him? Yes. It's really, really that simple. If you'll say yes to God, God will say what to you? Yes. yes, he'll say yes to you as well. And that is the story of Christmas. So this morning we're going to look at Mary and Joseph. And when you consider Mary and Joseph, you've got a young girl betrothed to a young man which is normal, like people get engaged and they get married. And in this culture, if you were engaged, you were married by all right. Like in Jewish culture, once you set an engagement, it just means that you had time to the ceremony before you consummated the marriage. But legally, you were married. You were committed to one another for life. So that's the season. And, and they're in a place called Nazareth is where they met. And a lot of times we look at like these, these things and we make them very... I don't know, nostalgic, like we romanticize Christmas sometimes, but we miss that God used ordinary people in ordinary places, and, and Nazareth was not a cool place. How many of you guys have ever heard of the Romans? You guys heard of the Romans? They were the world rulers of that time. Nazareth was a garrison for Roman soldiers, so would you want to be a Jew in a city full of a garrison of Roman soldiers? The answer is no, this is not a place, but that's where Joseph was a carpenter, that's where he met Mary. That's where Jesus is going to come from. Now, there's allusions to that in the Old Testament that it was prophesied, but it's not overtly said that he would come from Nazareth. So why there? Why them? Why that period of time? See, I think there's two reasons why those things happen. The first one is this, and everybody will know this because it makes sense. The only reason anything ever happens in any of our lives is who? God. Ultimately, God has to have a plan. And then the second part of it is this. We have to have a response to God's plan. Are you available? Are you willing? And when he asks, will you say what? Yes. That's the plan of God. Were Mary and Joseph any different? No, they weren't. They weren't. They, they were exactly, I mean, come on, guys, talk to me. Young guys who were looking to, like, get married someday, or those of you who are married, you remember when you found your honey. Let's suppose, I know that's honey, that's like such an old word. I, I see the young people are laughing at me. <laughs> like, it's kind of like when I tell my, my daughters, like, did you get his digits? They're like, Dad, Dad, we don't use that. That's old. But nonetheless, if you were to find your girl, 
and then she were to come to you and say, oh, by the way, hey, I'm pregnant. What would you all think? You'd be like, peace, I'm out. I'm not doing this with you. And that's exactly what Joseph's response was. So, so this, this event is happening to an unassuming guy, an unassuming girl, born in an unassuming place, bringing about, watch, salvation to the world. Available, willing, and they said what? Yes, God's plan. Now, a lot of times when we look at that stuff, we think it's bigger than us. We think, God can't use me, doesn't have that kind of plan for me. Let me help you out. God has a plan for everybody. Anybody in the room once thought that God didn't have a plan and then discovered that God did. Hello, your former drug dealing pastor. Oh, there's little people in the room. Oh, shoot. God saved me. Let's just say that. I forget who I'm preaching to. Oh, my gosh. I was a bad guy before I found Jesus. Let me just say it's okay. Jesus is good. Amen. I'm red-faced, aren't I? I feel it. <laughs> okay, so let's jump to the scriptures. Just a few scriptures. I, like I said, I will not keep you long, but I do want to make a point this morning. In Matthew chapter 1, this is Joseph's story of the birth of Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, this is verse 18, was as follows. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, what kind of man was he? A righteous man. He did not want to disgrace her, plan to send her away. So like I said, if you're engaged and your woman shows up pregnant, what are you thinking? Bye-bye. Now, Joseph was such a good guy that even though Mary's saying, hey, he, he went, listen, I don't want to make your, your life bad, your story bad. Like, like you got to understand, Jewish culture, you show up pregnant before you're married, this is like the ultimate disgrace. Like Mary would be stamped for life, as would Joseph, the guy who was left at the altar, so to speak. This would be bad for both of them. And he said, I don't want to disgrace her. I'm going to send her away secretly. He said, but when he considered, pondered, you guys ever been stuck in a decision? How many has been stuck in a decision? Help me. Everybody in the room, your hand should be going up. You ever been stuck in a decision? And you pondered, and you thought, and you thought, and you pondered. In fact, you thought so much, you thought about what you thought, and then you wanted to stop thinking it, but you couldn't. That's pondering. That's what's happening to Joseph right now. How do I handle this? I'm tormented between the woman I love, between the act I think she may have taken. I don't know what to do. That's where he's at. That's where many of us are at. We find ourselves face to face with destiny, and we don't even realize it. He considers this, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now, can I be straight up with you? If that happened to me, it would have to be an angel telling me this is really God. Am I talking to anybody in the room? You would want to know for sure that God is in the middle of this thing. And he says that the, the, the baby is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, or Yeshua in the Hebrew, for he will save his people from their sins, which is literally what Jesus means. Yeshua saves. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the, the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when translated means God with us. 
Okay, listen, if you came to church today, you don't normally come to church, can I help you? God is with you. You might not think he's with you. You might think he's forgotten you. You might think he's got a bad sense of humor. Why did he set my life up like? You might think a lot of things about, you might not even think about God, but God thinks about you. That's what Christmas is about. God thinks about you. That he thought about you so much that he thought, I'm going to show up on the scene to demonstrate for people the magnitude of my grace and love for them. Did God need to come? In the salvation sense, yes. In reality, he's God. Doesn't have to follow a rule. He's the maker of rules. But he decided to do it in a way that we could connect to, relate to, enter into. Emmanuel, God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep. Watch this, this is so important. And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary to be his wife. Man, I'll tell you what, that has got to be God because I've faced some scary things in my life and I thought, uh-uh. Anybody ever wanted to not sign your name to that contract? Like you're like, I don't want to be associated with this thing at all. Not a bit of it. That's what's happening to Joseph. And Joseph realizes that God's on the scene. Something supernatural. Destiny is, is unfolding in front of his face. And he says what to God? Yes. Available, willing, and he answered the right answer, which was what? Yes, all of you in the room. Every single person in the room faces the exact same thing that I'm talking about. He was a righteous guy, a good guy, one who wanted to honor God and not disgrace Mary, and he followed the plan of God. And now let's look at Mary's side. Because Mary has a side to this too. Now, now girls, I love y'all, but what if the Holy Spirit says, oh, by the way, you're pregnant. I'm what? Um, you know, wouldn't we all have that? I mean, I'm not a girl, but if that happened to me, I'd be like, if it happened to me as a boy, I'd really be like, what? I'm, I'm just saying. But this is a miraculous story, a, a supernatural story, one that you can't miss the power of. This is out of Luke's gospel now, Mary's story. Verse 26 of chapter 1 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent from God to a city called Nazareth, I already discussed that with you. Small Roman garrison, not a place for Jews to hang out. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Now that's key because we know that the Messiah is coming from the line of David. So we know that that's an important statement. And the virgin's name was Mary. Notice her title as well. Everybody knew she was a chaste woman, that she wasn't promiscuous or anything like that. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was perplexed at the statement, and she kept pondering, what kind of salutation is this? Okay, again, let's just paint the picture. You live in Nazareth. It's a Roman garrison. You're kind of a, just a Jewish gal, growing up engaged to a Jewish guy. And an angel shows up and says, you're favored. You're favored. You're, what would you think of that? Would you think that's odd? A little weird? Maybe even a little cool? See, Americans were so self-like deluded, we would all think, well, if God showed up, of course he'd say to me, you're favored. That's how deluded America, we wouldn't have this sense of majesty. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just being honest. We think the world revolves around us. Mary did not. There was an element of humility in her that was really remarkable. And she just pondered, why would, would an angel of God greet me in such a way? Why would he say to me, I'm a favored one? And he goes on. 
He says, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you've been, you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, you'll bear a son, and you shall name his, his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, this is so important because in Jewish understanding, they understood that when the Messiah came, he would sit on whose throne? David's. And not only was he going to come from the lineage of David, but he was going to establish a throne that would be David's. Now, by natural understanding, everybody thought this. Israel's going to take over the world. The Jews are going to rule. That's how they all thought. Was that what Jesus was doing, though? He wasn't. He was coming to establish a throne that was a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly one. Those who enter into it, enter into it spiritually. I mean, this was the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a brilliant man. Come on, how many of you know, for God so loved the world? We all know that verse, don't we? Listen, if you're not a Christian, you see it on the wall at football games. It's posted everywhere. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. He didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. Now that conversation, that verse comes out of a discussion with a guy who was the smartest of the smart in religious matters in a Jewish community. This guy was brilliant. And he comes to Jesus at night and he says, we know you're from God. And Jesus says, you must be born again. I'm summarizing this. And he says, I must be born again. I'm old. Do I go back into my mom's womb? That's weird. And Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher. You don't understand these things. You have to be born naturally, and you have to be born what, church? Spiritually. To understand or enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus never came to establish an earthly kingdom, but one that's spiritual, that rules and reigns in righteousness and in peace and in joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what he declared it to be, and that's what, he, that's what we're watching unfold. Now, they don't know this yet. This can happen years later, but that's what's unfolding as we're reading this. He'll be great, called the Son of the Most High, He'll give him the, the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. How long? Who lives forever? Thank you. God does. It's a powerful statement. Rule over forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Let me help you, church. There's not a kingdom that's ever existed with the exception of God's that has no end. Kingdoms rise, and they do what? They fall. That's what happens. So there's a very, very powerful thing unfolding right in front of us. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, can I be honest with you? If I'm Mary and I'm told I'm pregnant, I don't think my first question would be, how can this be because I'm a virgin? I mean, think about what was just said. Son of the Most High, he's going to be great, he's going to sit on a throne, but I haven't had sex yet to have a baby. Would that be the first question you would ask of God? I wouldn't be mine, but a humble person, that's the question they would ask. How will you make this miraculous thing occur through humble little Mary in a town called Nazareth, Jewish girl in no, no man's land? South of the tracks, if you will. Like I said, Jesus' family is massively dysfunctional. I love that because it makes me feel comforted. <laughs> it, means, it means I'm jacked up and Jesus is okay with it. You know, I, I don't, listen, anytime I say that, don't stay messed up. Don't. 
It's not permission to be a, never mind. It's not permission for that. It is this, come and transform and change. Come to me and I'll, I'll make your life different. I'll take old things, make them new. And people who've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, you know that there's an exchange that happens where he gives you a new life, a new heart, a new lens, a new way to see life. That's occurring right now through her. It's going to happen. That's such a powerful thought to me. I, it's almost like I'm a considerer, if you will, like I said earlier, where I sit and ponder things. I can't figure this one out. I can teach it to you. But to fully understand it, I don't know. A humble gal bringing about the Savior of the world. The angel said, or the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she was called barren. She's now in her sixth month. So her, her cousin is, is pregnant, and she was known to be barren. Who makes barren people pregnant? God opens and closes the womb. This doesn't happen unless it's what? God. So watch what he, he says. For nothing, say nothing, will be impossible with God. And behold, the bond slave of the Lord, that's what Mary said, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. So listen, I just want to tie these thoughts together. You got this guy and this gal, neither one of them expecting anything great from their lives. Anybody ever felt that way? I'm just a person. I'm alive, born in America, got a pretty nice life, whatever it might be. But I'm, in, you know, like I'm going to live and die inconsequent. I'm not going to make my mark on the world. Maybe a few of you might feel like you're going to make a mark on the world. Most of you are just concerned with paying your bills. I just want to get through life. I want to, I want to live and die without too much trouble. Am I telling the truth? I just want to get through it. But what if God is saying more than that? What if your destiny is way broader than what you ever dreamed it to be? What if God has a, his hand on your life in such a way that he's starting to stir something? And you know how you know he's stirring it? This is how you know it's stirring it. And this will resonate with a lot of you in the room, hopefully all of you. This is how you know God is stirring something in you. Because when it starts to happen, something inside of you, I'll call it the spirit of God who lives in you, something inside of you starts to perk up. Like you get a sense like this is bigger than me. You get a sense like it's broader than you. Like you get a sense that the impossible can become what? Possible. That's what happens when God's in the mix. So you can go, man, I'm just, I'm just the baby of 12. Just the baby of 12. The youngest of eight boys. This is true of me. The youngest of eight boys. I grew up in, a, in an unassuming family in Monrovia in an 1,100 square foot house. I didn't know my own room until I moved out. Okay? <laughs> I, only good thing is I had four sisters above me. I never got hand-me-downs. I always got my own clothes. Oh, how nice, huh? <laughs> I didn't have to wear polka dots or nothing. Never did I dream that God would have taken the kid who was the little rebel, who did all the stupid stuff, who, who, who chased things he shouldn't have, who thought he was cool because he could wheel and deal and haggle and spin. And, and what I never understood is that even when I was young, God had put a mantle of leadership on me. So it didn't matter what I did, whether it was to his glory or for evil, people followed me. I never understood that. I just thought I was fun, so people follow me. Uh, now I'm not so fun anymore, I don't think. I'm, at least not in that capacity anyways. And then I watched God start to mold my life. Watch, watch. Just like he's molded some of yours. 
just like he's still molding all of ours, right? And he starts to, to poke at you and starts to talk to you. And, and he starts to like, just like he did with Mary and Joseph. Hey, you're unassuming from this little Nazareth town. You didn't think your life meant anything significant. But I want to use you, watch this, to bring the Savior into the world. And you think, well, that's already happened. That's not my job. That, that's true. But what is your job? What mantle has God placed on you? I can assure you it's not just living life or making money. None of those things are bad or evil. They're not wrong even. But they can't be the chief goal of your life. Somewhere in there, there has to be something of the Spirit of God that percolates in you that when it's said to you, you understand this is God and I have to say what? Yes. See, I know that feeling because it happened to me. I know that feeling. I know that both the sacrifices and the successes of saying yes to God. But these are the questions you have to ask yourself. If you want to fulfill your destiny, you've got to ask just a few questions. The first one is this. Are you available to God? See, that's ultimately your question to answer. I can look at your life. I can watch it. But at the end of the day, it's your heart before God's. And he's saying, are you available to me? Will you allow me to use your life to bring about my glory in the earth? That, that's what God wants to do. Are you available to me? Watch, the next one is this, are you willing? Because the first part is, yes, I'm available. But then what if God says, I want you to leave your job or go do this thing or go to Bible college or I want you to start a Bible study at work? Like, you want me to bring my Bible to work? You young people are like, can I do it on my phone? <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you all think. But what is it that God is asking you to do that brings his glory into the earth? Are you available? Are you willing? And lastly, it's so simple. Will you say yes? See, that is the message of the gospel. It's never this. It's never, I chose you and I didn't chose you. I chose him. I didn't choose her. Never that. It's always this. I chose you all. Will you say what? That's, that's the gospel. Jesus came to save sinners. That's what it's about. Christmas was about birthing the Savior. Easter was about him conquering the power of sin and death. And this season, we celebrate that his joy came into the world through an unsuspecting boy, an unsuspecting girl, in an unsuspecting city. And watch, change the whole world. Change the whole world. So where are you at today? See, listen, I, I want to pray for y'all. And my hope is that, you know, some of you I know, faces that are familiar. Others of you, I don't know. And I want to give you an opportunity to just open your heart to Jesus. Just open your heart to saying, maybe this Christianity thing is not so crazy and far-fetched. Maybe God is trying to talk to me. Let me tell you, just from my own experience, how God talked to me. So some of you who I don't know, or maybe you're still searching to figure out what is Christianity, do I want it? When God talked to me, he talked to me over several years. And he talked to me through people just like you. He talked to me when I'd go to work through somebody who would invite me to a concert, a Bible study. I'd tell them I was sick. They'd ask if they could pray for me. And I think that's the weirdest thing ever, sure. And then I would go wait on a table, and the table would tell me about Jesus. And then i start to get a group of friends, and they start to invite me to places that are not bars. They're places that have wholeness in them and health and, and good things. And then I start to date a girl who's not in my life anymore. I have Heather now. Hallelujah. Anyway, I start to date a girl. 
And she was a Christian, so she invites me to her church. And I go to her church. And then I meet a guy in this church that I've never met. And he looks at me and he, he says, God has called you. He's called you to preach to people and lead them to Christ. He's called you to be a pastor. And I remember thinking, that's crazy. But in my heart, listen, that thing that I said that perks up where you're like, there's something right about this, perked up. That was 1990. Some of you are like, he's old. <laughs> I know the young people are thinking that a long time ago. But I remember when it perked up, I remember just sitting there thinking to myself, this is what my life's supposed to be about. See, listen, some of you in the room, you're trying to figure that out right now. Some of you, you figured it out. Some of you need to get back on the train, so to speak. Like, you know what it is, but you're not doing it right now. You're not making yourself available, willing, and you're not saying yes. And the truth is, that's true for every single one of us. Could Joseph have said no? He could have. Could Mary have said no? She could have. Would God still have accomplished his plan? Yes, through different people. Listen, that's the message for every single one of us. God wants to manifest himself through your life, show his glory through your life, fulfill your destiny, but that takes you being available, willing, and saying what? Yes, that's it. So listen, I want to pray for you this morning. I know we came for kids singing. I know we watch kids perform, sing music up front. But at the end of the day, this is a personal moment, you and God. This is not what other people see. This is what God sees, and God sees all hearts. Like, that's one of the, the most profound things to me. There's nothing hidden from God, nothing. Nothing hidden from him. So I just want you to bow your heads. I want to pray with you, and then I'm going to let you go out and eat some goodies in the hallway and enjoy the rest of the time together. So, Father, first off, I just want to say thank you for Christmas. Thank you that you brought Jesus into the world through Mary and Joseph, who probably had no idea that their destiny was associated with the salvation of mankind. What a crazy, amazing, profound, and powerful thought. And God, as I pray this, I don't know who's sitting in the room. Is it the next world-renowned evangelist? Is it the next worship leader? Is it the next prayer warrior? Is it the next person who's going to step into a Sunday school room and love little kids? Is it the next, you know, Chick-fil-A type owner who's going to own a big business and honor God with it? I don't know who's sitting in the room, but God, you do. And I know that all of those things start with our availability, our willingness, and our yeses to your call, your destiny on our lives. So God, I pray for every heart right now that there's a moment of honesty where we would say this, God, what do you want from my life? What are you saying to me right now? And how do I say yes to you? You know, the first part is just saying yes to him being God. Jesus, we want to together say to you, yes, we believe that you are God. And that we celebrate this season as the time that you came into the world to set us free to bring salvation. So God, now the destiny that you want to set us on, help each one of us to discover it, to learn it, to grow with it. God, I pray in this moment and in the days to come that there would be those moments that I spoke of where it just ignites in your spirit, this is God. And that we don't let go of that, that we chase it. So God, it's with great grace that you poured out on mankind that we step into this relationship. And we say, God, continue to grow it in us.
Help each one of us to say, yes, God, I, I am available. And yes, God, I am willing. And yes, God, my answer is yes. So God, let us enjoy this season and keep Jesus the center and the highest priority within it. God, we commit this service to you, all of the energy, all of the kids singing and all the kids speaking, all the young adults playing, all the old adults playing. God, everything we did here today, we pray that it would bring glory to your name, honor to your name, that would help those who came just to discover how good you are, your love for us, your favor toward us. So God, as we go out and fellowship a little bit, just pray your blessing, your hand on us. We pray this in a name that is above all names. That's the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.